0: Jesus, what a beautiful name you have. King of kings, Lord of lords, Emmanuel, God with us, our Saviour, our Redeemer, our Rescuer, Lion of the tribe of Judah, Lamb that was slain, Ever Living One, first and last, Alpha and Omega. You are amazing we worship you help us as we look into your word today and think about your word and your work in this world help us to open our hearts to you and to hear your spirit speaking to us in jesus name amen Well, I've realized I need to do my own introduction today. Well, that's not sounding good. So, um, yeah, if you do that, lovely. Um, I don't know why I'm making that noise, but there we go. Um, so if you don't know me, I'm Nick. I lead the church with Naomi, who was leading it earlier a bit, and with Paul and Fran. Um, and today I'm going to be starting a new series. Oh, good. It's working. It's even working, that's always good. Uh, Let's just bring this up. Okay, it was working. So, yeah, that's working. Okay, we're going to be starting a new series. What's the Bible say? about what's in the news with this sort of image that I ripped off the BBC website. Sorry about that, but uh, at least I pay my licence fee so I feel like I own them, which is probably not true. One um, <laughs> wanna sort of thank you to Michael. I've ripped off uh, some talks that he did for um, uh, Powerhouse for our, U- our, our children's event over the summer. He came up with the idea of what's in the news and we've sort of taken that and developed it um, for uh, this this series. You see, we're talking about news, but above all, we're talking about the gospel of Jesus, which is good news that transforms every area of life. As we look at politics and nationality and immigration and violence and war and sex and relationships and environment and social justice and poverty and sexuality and gender and happiness and well-being, and work and rest over this term, we're going to be seeing how uh, God's word applies to all of these areas, and how in our world today, we can have confidence as we explore those issues from God's point of view. So when I was planning the series a month or so ago, um, I thought I needed to start with politics, um, well, here we are. It's been quite a week. I normally like to start a sermon with a joke, but I'm, I'm not sure that's necessary today. <laughs> um, I think we've got past that now. Um, crazy times. It's really important to have a Christian view of all this. What is going on in our world and how can we be involved? How can we be ambassadors of God's kingdom, if you like, in the context of what's going on? So I'm going to talk about uh, politics. I'm going to talk about having the perspective of God's kingdom. I'm going to talk about positive engagement with politics. And I'm going to talk about being prepared to protest. So that's where we're going today. Um, This is sort of a calm uh, discussion from the sun recently. Um, We live in the United Kingdom. I love living here. I love being a citizen of this country. It's a great privilege and responsibility. And at times like this, we can be a bit despairing, we can feel like everything's falling apart and all kinds of things are going on and we can lose hope in where we're going and in what's happening in the world and it's at that time particularly, I think we need to have a kingdom perspective not united kingdom but of God's kingdom this idea of the kingdom of God is crucial to understanding what God is doing in the world today. You see, when Jesus came preaching, this is how he started. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This was his message. The kingdom of God has come near. What did he mean? He meant that God's kingdom, God's rule, God's goodness, kindness, justice, faithfulness, truth was breaking into this broken, sin-marred world bringing his love, his mercy, his grace in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God whom as he travelled, he preached good news he healed the sick, he drove out demons, he raised the dead he brought good news to the poor, sight to the blind Freedom to the captives. He proclaimed the year of God's favour. As we sang this morning, he came to rescue people. came to redeem people. He came to set them free. He preached. He lived. And then he died. He died on a cross to save us, bearing our sins, all that we had done wrong in his body on the cross. And he rose again to make new life available to us, to welcome us into God's family. He reigns now at the Father's right hand. From heaven, he poured out his Holy Spirit on his friends, his followers, his church, um, to enable this kingdom expansion to keep going. It's that thing that I was talking about earlier, about doing even greater things by God's Holy Spirit, working through his people. And the kingdom is still growing. Wherever people choose to follow him, to make him Lord, to let him rule in their hearts, the kingdom is growing. It encompasses people of every color, every class, every culture, every race, every place. It's expanding to every corner of the globe. Globes don't have corners, do they? Anyway, it's expanding all over the world. Um, Jesus said it's like a, like a mustard seed, the kingdom. A mustard seed, it's such a tiny seed, you can hardly even see it. But you plant it, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it becomes this big bush tree thing, big enough for birds to come and shelter in it. Or he said it's a bit like a, a little bit of yeast, which a woman took, and she worked through A ridiculously large amount of flour. If you look at the thing, it's about 100 litres of flour. And she worked it through and through and through until it spread its transformational leavening presence throughout the whole of this huge lump of dough. I want to know what she did with it then. Did they have 200 people for lunch or something? I don't know. But anyway, um, that's what the kingdom's like. It starts tiny and it grows and grows and grows. It starts in one place and it spreads throughout everything. Daniel had a dream prophet Daniel in his dream he saw a, a rock uh, not cut out by human hands which struck this statue representing all the, the kingdoms and the empires of the world and it struck it and it shattered it and it became a mountain the, the rock became a mountain that filled the earth in Revelation 11:15, it says the kingdom of the world has become The kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. That is our destiny. God's kingdom is expanding, it's growing, it's transforming. One day it will encompass all in all. That's what we're part of. And having this kingdom of God perspective transforms how we view all of life. How we view what's going on now, what's happened in the past, what's happening in the future including our politics. It gives us hope. It gives us identity. And it gives us vision. I need to let you into a little secret here. Um, in many areas, politicians are surprisingly powerless. Okay? Um, most political decisions have a limited impact on Most of our lives. Now, sometimes there are huge things which can have huge impacts. But most of the time, it's just tinkering around the edges. Um, We cannot put our hope in politics to make everything all right for us. In our relationships. In our health. In our work. Sure, politics can affect all of these. But actually, we cannot put our hope there. But the kingdom of God is ground for our hope not based on whether we stay in the EU or leave it or indeed how we leave it not whether this government or that government does this or the other thing whether we as a country prosper or suffer our hope is in Jesus in his kingdom in our eternal security in him our political systems are being shaken that probably shouldn't be a surprise. The Bible talks about kingdoms and nations being shaken. But it says we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The kingdom of God. There is change. But if we trust in Jesus, we have hope. So the kingdom of having a kingdom of God perspective gives us hope. The kingdom of God gives us identity. The book of Philippians was written... Uh, to Christians in, in Philippi, which was a Roman colony in Greece. So uh, the citizens of there had the right to, to be Roman citizens. They actually spoke Latin rather than Greek in a lot of the sort of ongoing things, which was unusual in Greece at that time. Um, and to the church there, he, uh, Paul wrote um, in three Philippians 3.20, he says, our citizenship is in heaven and we expect to save you from there. Actually, our core identity, if we're a follower of Jesus, is not whether we're Roman or Greek or British or whatever we may be, but it's being a child of God. It's being part of his kingdom, of his family. If we've chosen to follow him, that is our core identity. It gives us a new primary affiliation It's a new kingdom, a new people, not determined culturally or ethnically, but based on our relationship with Jesus. My identity is no longer primarily that I am British, although I am and I love that, but that I am Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm part of his new people of God. And I have family responsibilities, if you like, of love care and prayer with every member of this global international family whether they live here or in Uganda or in Nepal or in Japan or in Canada or wherever around the world they are every follower of Jesus is my brother or sister in Christ and that actually cuts across politics above beyond our our views of left or right or whatever we believe on particular issues. Actually, we have an identity with every other follower of Jesus, whether or not we agree with them on details of politics. And we'll come on to that in a little bit more. So it gives us hope. It gives us identity. And it gives us a vision. What is our vision? Our vision is that everyone should know Christ. Everyone should have the ability to experience the love, the goodness, the kindness, the grace of this amazing Saviour. And that God's justice, God's goodness, God's love, God's kindness would be manifest in the world. Uh, That all the, the things that sin has caused and torn up and destroyed would be transformed by the justice of God. That's why when we pray as Jesus taught us we pray your kingdom come your rule in this world come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so let's have a kingdom of perspective a perspective of the kingdom of god that gives us hope that gives us identity that gives us vision let's also have a positive engagement oh, wrong thing positive engagement with politics you might think that as citizens of heaven We would withdraw from the world and not be concerned about how things go politically and otherwise. And yes, sometimes there are Christians who've done that or are doing that, who've said that this world is destined for destruction and so we don't need to worry about climate change. Or that because eternal life is what really matters, we don't need to worry about the sufferings of the poor or the sick in this life. I have to say, I find that utterly at odds with God God as he reveals himself in the Bible. Um, He cares intimately not just about the spiritual, but also the material lives of all people. It says in Psalm 97.2, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. They really matter to God. His kingdom, his throne, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of it, because that is in the heart of God. And interestingly, if you look at world history, it is very often those who've had the greatest understanding, if you like, of the kingdom of God, of what it is to know him, of our hope in him, of their identity, who have then had the vision to positively engage, bringing God's kindness, justice and righteousness into the world. Um, the outbreak of Christianity spreading across the Roman Empire transformed care of the poor, the sick, the dying, which, you know, under Roman uh, religion and philosophy just hadn't been cared for at all. But the Christians transformed that. They cared for the poor, they cared for orphans, they transformed everything. Um, the amazing revival of the Great Awakening in the 18th century, led by people like John Wesley, George Whitfield. And others uh, led to incredible social change in this country and elsewhere a generation or so later, including things like the abolition of slavery, uh, limitations on child labor, uh, care for the poor, prison reform, all kinds of things like that. The work of the Salvation Army uh, later in the 19th century uh, brought both spiritual and material good news into people's lives, which you know continues today. So how... Do we positively engage with this view of the kingdom with politics today? Um, Paul, writing in the book of Romans, has some quite strong words on this. Let's read what he says. As we're citizens of heaven, that's not what he says, I'm saying this bit. Let's be model citizens, if you like, to our society. And this is what he says in Romans. He says... Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes for the authorities of God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Anyone know who this chap is? Not Julius Caesar, close. Nero. So, Paul was writing the book of Romans, probably about 56 AD. Um, This was the Roman Emperor, Nero, uh, who later was to be famous um, for the great fire of Rome which um, he blamed on the Christians and, and led to a huge outbreak of persecution across the Empire. Probably was done because he wanted to burn down a great section of Rome to make room for a new palace that he was doing. So that's the Emperor. Now obviously Paul is writing before this stage. But actually, he's saying, respect the authorities. Submit to them. We'll see in a moment I'm going to talk about when you don't submit to them. But in general, be model citizens, if you like. Submit to the laws where the law of God and our conscience allows us. Pay taxes. Seek to bring change. Seek to make the world a better place within the systems uh, that you're allowed to. Remember uh, that Paul wasn't writing about some benevolent Democrat here, who he was writing about Nero. Also, honour and respect those who serve in this way. Our British culture today is full of mocking and anger. Now, we can understand sometimes why politicians and others may seem to us to deserve that, um, but let's be countercultural. Let's treat all people with respect. Let's think particularly of those who are Christians as well. There may be people that I deeply disagree with politically, but they are my brother or sister in Christ. Let's treat them with respect. Let's not join in the culture of destructive mocking. And let's pray for our leaders. Again, this is a biblical command. It's from 1 Timothy to uh, Paul says, I urge then." First of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Let's pray. Let's pray for our politicians. Let's pray um, for Boris Johnson, our Prime Minister. Let's pray for Ed Vasey, our MP, who is now an independent MP. Um, let's treat him with respect. I emailed Ed, actually, on uh, whenever it was, Tuesday or Wednesday, after he'd voted, you know, just to thank him for doing that, because I, you know, my particular political views was that he, that he did the right thing in voting to um, enable a, or to try and block a no-deal Brexit. Now, you may have a different view, um, but I emailed him to thank him for doing that, Let's treat these guys with respect and let's pray. I actually wanted to take a moment now to pray with God's people. Let's pray for our nation. It really needs God's help at this time. Let's pray for our leaders. What we're going to do, let's take a moment just to sit in silence for each of us to pray our own things and then I'll sort of, I'll sort of wrap it up and pray together. So we'll take just a moment to pray for our nation. Father, I want to thank you uh, that we live in this nation. I want to thank you for the, uh, the heritage of democracy that we enjoy um, and for that, that the blessings of that, of that kind of, of rule. And we want to pray now, as we're in a bit of a crisis in all kinds of ways, we pray would you help? We pray for politicians of every um, party and indeed those of no party now, Lord. We pray would you bless them. Would you help them to know your wisdom? Would you help them to talk together? Uh, We want to pray for good political decisions. We want to pray for the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, and his cabinet. Uh, We pray you would give them wisdom and help them. We pray for Ed Vasey, our MP, Uh, now outside the party that he's devoted most of his life to. We want to pray that you would bless him and you would help him. And we pray that your will would be done in our nation. We pray where there is division, would you bring unity? And above all, would you help people to see your kingdom and your good news and where this kingdom is being shaken? There is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let people see your good news in difficult times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we need to have a perspective of the kingdom of God. We need to positively engage with politics. And also, sometimes, that's not enough. And sometimes we have to take a stand. Sometimes where the laws of the land go against what we believe God is calling us to, we need to be prepared to protest, to take a stand. For the early church, the sticking point was declaring that Caesar is Lord. So the Roman Empire had a policy of religious tolerance. You could believe whatever you like, you could worship whatever you wanted, as long as once a year you would go and make your sacrifice and declare that Caesar is Lord And they believe that their Roman empires were these sort of emperors were these sort of semi-divine God-man figures. Um, The Christians couldn't do this. Because there's only the one Lord Jesus Christ. And under the Nero and other empire emperors, they died for their belief. A similar fate uh, faces many Christian converts today in, in lots of parts of the world, particularly in parts of the Islamic world. Where we see the state moving in ways that contravene God's ways, we need to be prepared, ultimately, to protest. And I want to suggest three things which will help us in that. When we want to do this, let's do it based on conviction. Let's do it on the basis of understanding God's word, digging deep into it, uh, letting the Holy Spirit guide us and teach us and think about how it applies to this world. Not because we don't like someone or we feel uncomfortable about something. Let's do it because we feel like God, through his word, is guiding us. And when we have that conviction that what we are doing Is a matter of recognizing Jesus is our Lord and seeing his kingdom come in this world. That's when we need to take a stand. Let's do it with conviction. Let's do it with courage. Recognizing that our views may be vilified, may cost us friends, may cost us influence, may cost us employment. This is not generally the case in this country at the moment, although it is in many other countries around the world, but could even cost us liberty and life. Let's be courageous. When we feel God is calling us to take a stand, let's be courageous. Be bold, for God is with us. And let's do it with compassion, because our God loves everyone. Whatever their current politics or way of thinking, all are precious to him. Let's express our views, however convinced we may be, with compassion, with grace, with humility. I wanted to, to finish with um, some words from democracy protests that are happening in Hong Kong at the moment um, where uh, the Chinese government has tried to bring in particularly extradition laws which would see dissidents and others uh, potentially taken to mainland China Um, but that's sort of been caught up into a whole bigger uh, protest around democracy or indeed the lack of it. And Christians have been key, although Christians only form about 6% of the Hong Kong population. Christians have been key in those protests. Uh, and These are some words from the Reverend, Reverend Chu Young-ming, who is a 75-year-old Baptist pastor uh, who has been one of the, the three sort of ringleaders, if you like, of this protest movement. He was found guilty in April for his part in the uh, Umbrella movement, as they call it, the democracy protests um, and human rights movement. This is, these are some extracts from his plea that he read out in court. He said, I am a Christian minister committed to the service of God. I have resolved to live a life of friendship with the weak and the poor, praying that God's justice be manifested on earth as it is in heaven and that the gospel of love and peace be proclaimed among the people. But today, old and grey, I find myself in the defendant's dock, making a final plea as a convict. It looks so absurd, if not outright shameful, for, for a person holding holy office. And yet, at this very moment, my heart tells me that with this defendant's dock, I've found the most honourable pulpit of my ministerial career the valley of the shadow of death leads to spiritual heights he goes on to talk about how he's got to this place and about the democracy movement in hong kong but then he finishes looking back to another peaceful uh, movement for human rights that of that of the civil rights m- movement in america he says this is the 9th of april 2019 51 years ago on the 4th of this month a man of peace and advocate of nonviolent action for social change was gunned down the words of this great man dr luther king still speak for us today resist we must freedom never comes as a gift the powerful oppressor would never offer freedom to be oppressed with both to the oppressed with both hands rights and opportunities have to be secured with the sacrifice and suffering of some. Hatred breeds hatred. Violence begets violence. We must use love to deal with the powers of hate. Our goal is never the defeat or humiliation of white people. On the contrary, ours is to win their friendship and understanding. And uh, Chiu yung goes on to say, Reverend Martin Luther King once said that without justice, there can be no true harmony. I urge you who find their home in this city have compassion on the victims of unjust systems. They include the protesters, but also police officers. I pray that compassion would generate courage in us to fight the evil of this unjust system. In the Umbrella Movement, I am just a bell toller. I ring the bell, and the bell tolls. It gives out a warning sound that something bad and disastrous is happening. So doing... I hope that consciences may wake up and together we work to save the day. Should I still manage to find some strength in my aging body, I shall continue to be a bell toller in church, in the world, and in each human heart. He quotes from Micah, he's made clear to you, O man, what is good and what is desired from you by the Lord, only doing what is right and loving mercy and walking without pride before your God. I, Chung Yuming, from the Defendant Stock, now wish to declare, we have no regrets, we hold no grudges, no anger, no grievances, we do not give up. In the words of Jesus, happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. O Lord, who is merciful and just, to you I entrust my life. May your will be done. Powerful words you know, makes me think that what would I be willing to give up if I needed to, if I felt God calling me to protest in some cases. How I wanted to finish. I just wanted to show a video in the last few minutes and it's an opportunity just to to think and for each of us to pray and reflect. The video is again from these Hong Kong protests and One of the things that's happened is that the protesters as a whole have um, taken up a particular song, a song of protest against the authorities. The song, even though only some of them are Christian, the song is a song, sing hallelujah to the Lord. I'm going to play this clip of them singing that at the protest. um, And let's just use it a moment to to reflect in our own hearts to think about the kingdom of god to think about positive engagement to think about where we need to be prepared to protest and let god speak in our hearts <laughs> to a day when there will be no more injustice no more tears when you make everything new but we want to pray today in the broken world we find ourselves in in which your gospel is good news to the poor freedom for the captives recovery of sight to the blind would you help us help us to be agents of your kingdom to bring good news, to engage with politics as you lead us and to help bring your goodness into this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm very moved by that, although it's good to see Captain America was there as well. So hopefully he'll sort things out. There's tea and coffee at the back. Have a great week, and um, we will see you uh, see you next Sunday.